It's lovely to see everyone's face. Anybody here for the first time? This is your first time here? Okay, so everybody's familiar, everybody's uh, uh, has been here, or everyone is too shy to say. Um, either way, you're welcome. Um, it's always a pleasure and a delight to present or to bring the Word of God uh, and to just hear from Him, to just hear from Him. So, um, we've been going through a series on prayer and specifically on how to pray effectively. And for those who are here last week, um, we had the opportunity to pray together and several people sensed the voice of God, several people received the word of God. Um, for example, um, and, and I'm just sharing this with you so that you can, even as we, you know, as we continue in prayer with one another, you can just really take this um, to your heart and continue praying. Um, there's somebody who mentioned that as we prayed for the children, they just sensed that this is a very difficult um, environment in which children live. So just pray into that. Pray for children that they may really have faith that stands strong during these very, very difficult times. Uh, that there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of deception, there's a lot that is working against them. So just pray over children. Pray continually over children that their faith will not fail them. Um, while uh, our brother Chavez was just praying over work situations and workplaces, there was a sensing, you know, when he talked about, I am the Alpha and the Omega. There is someone here, or there are some people here, you've started a project at work, or you've started something, and you may not necessarily visibly see it to completion, but the Lord assures you that he is the Omega. He will complete it. He will bring it to maturity. It will become so big, unbelievably big, even bigger than you envision. You may not necessarily see it in the flesh, but the Lord will complete it. He is the Alpha, he began it, he is the Omega, he will finish it. So that's another um, um, word that came through. Um, plus, there were many people who also talked about, you know, they, they just wanted, to, uh, you know, they, they were so glad for the opportunity and the chance to, to hear um, from God and to just recommit themselves to prayer. So it's been such a blessing over the last few weeks. And we just continue, and we thank God for these blessings um, that he has showered on us. We thank God, really, that we can hear from him. Going back a few weeks, uh, we have been learning on effective prayer. We've been doing some learnings on effective prayer, and really, we've talked about the fact that prayer, effective prayer means praying with thanksgiving. Effective prayer must always, always include thanksgiving. Um, effective prayer involves believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, believing in who he is, uh, what he came to do, what he has accomplished for us, um, and what he's continuing to do in us. Effective praying is also prayer that is made in faith, knowing the will of God, the word of God, as well as knowing who he is, trusting in who he is. So we covered this in the last three Sundays, and if you missed any of them and you'd really like to go back and just understand them and, and go through them, um, you're welcome to go to our website um, and just with two clicks, literally, you can just, you know, click KIC Luboa, just click on that and then type talks and you'll have access to all our teachings, all our sermons. And thanks to Patrick and his team who really make this possible. You can access teachings going very much far back for I don't know how many years. So <clears throat> you're welcome to do that. Today is our last day in this series. 
And we're going to look at another key to effective prayer. And that is praying with perseverance. Praying with perseverance. That's the title of today's message. Perseverance is defined as steadfast endurance, steadfast endurance and resilience in the face of challenges and difficulties, whilst at the same time trusting and hoping and expecting in God. I repeat that. It's about steadfast endurance and resilience in the face of challenges and difficulties and hardships while you're trusting and believing and expecting from God. So praying through that is very, very important. I think most of us agree that we need to persevere. We do need to persevere. Not only do we need to persevere, but we need to know how to pray while we are persevering. Okay, so that's very, very essential. There are people in this room, perhaps, you've been praying for a very long time over a difficult situation, and you haven't seen an answer in the physical. So you need to know how to pray persevering during those seasons. Or maybe you have suddenly been faced with a challenge. You know, perseverance is not just about a, long, a length of time, but it's something that maybe suddenly has come upon you. Um, and it's a major challenge. You know, decisions have to be made. It's, it's a crisis. You really don't know what to do. And then in the midst of this, you need to know how to pray. Pray through that. Pray through those difficulties. Um, and, and examples exist in the Bible. The prophetess Anna was a, a classic example. This woman was a widow. And for 80 years, it says she never departed from the temple. She was praying day and night. Imagine that waiting for the Messiah, because she lived through a time when Israel was expecting a Messiah, going through very difficult times and living in expectation of a of Messiah. So she was living through that, and she was persevering in prayer over that. So she recognized the Messiah when he actually came. And then there was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, facing a major crisis. It says he prayed the entire night. So prayers in perseverance, is, it's not us who started them. They, they existed before we were here. They exist in the Bible. And there are several scriptures that actually encourage us to pray with perseverance. Pray with perseverance. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's Romans 12, 12. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17 Specifically, verse 17, in the Amplified Version, it says, be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. Praying perseveringly. Be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, with all prayer and petitions, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. That's Ephesians 6, 18. So these scriptures and many more like them instruct us to pray with perseverance. But what does it actually mean to pray with perseverance? We've received the instructions and we know we have to do it, but what does it actually mean? So in these next few minutes, we're just going to really try and see what it actually means. I'm going to um, bring out five characteristics of prayers that are prayed with perseverance. Hopefully paint a picture that will enable us to understand what it means to pray 
with perseverance. So five characteristics that I will re I'll really try and, and crystallize and, and bring out to describe what it means to pray with perseverance. First of all, praying with perseverance means praying fervently. Fervently is an interesting word, fervently. When you are praying fervently, you're praying with energy and intensity. It can be very effective. Remember the scripture that we read from last time, James chapter 5, verse 16, which tells us um, that the fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful. It talked about this fervent, fervency in prayer. There are several examples in the Bible about people who prayed fervently. In, in uh, Elijah, he's a, a classic example, it talks about he prayed fervently that it, will, it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the entire earth, coming out of fervent prayer. When Peter was put in prison by Herod, it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, that earnest and fervent prayer for him was made to God by the church. Fervent prayer. And later we see that he is actually delivered. So let me ask you this. Have you ever started praying and then you fall asleep in the midst of prayer? Yes, thank you for that honest answer. Yes, thank you for that honest answer. I know that because I've, it's, it's happened to me, particularly in my early days of praying. That is not really fervent prayer, okay, in case you've missed it. And by the way, you're not the only ones. The disciples fell asleep when they were asked to pray. Remember? Several times, Jesus come and woke them up, and then he would go away and pray, and they would fall asleep again. So you're not the only ones. <laughs> However, it's interesting about these disciples. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit after the cross, this guy's prayer life went to another level. So fervent prayer comes from the heart, energized by the Holy Spirit. It's not really your own energy. It's energized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given us power. We need to utilize that power to bring out this energy to pray for God's will in a situation. Jesus said that at all times we ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, so your heart has to be involved. We shouldn't faint, we shouldn't give up, we shouldn't get discouraged. What's the condition of your heart when you pray? Paul prayed fervently for the Jews, saying, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for these Jews, for them, is for their salvation. It involves the heart. There is energy involved, intensity. So when you pray fervently, you continue in prayer over something that you feel really passionate about. And it's normally something to do with God's will being done here on earth, in someone's life, or in a situation. So that's one characteristic of a prayer that is done with a prayer of perseverance. There is fervency in it. The second characteristic of a prayer of perseverance is that it involves asking. But it involves asking in faith. Why do we need to ask if it is God's will? Someone may ask. Well, one thing is that if asking is done correctly, and I emphasize that, if it is done correctly, it is actually an act of faith. Okay? And the reality is that we do need faith to receive. You cannot receive without faith. So we need faith to receive, and asking is part of that 
um, activation. It helps us to activate our faith. Think about it. If I was to ask you for a glass of water, it's a measure of my faith in you that you have the ability to actually provide that glass of water. Okay? And if I just keep quiet, then either I'm not thirsty or I don't believe you have the ability to actually provide that water. So asking, asking God tells him and acknowledges to him that he is my source, that he can and he does supply my every need, and that he has the capacity and the ability to do it. So we need to ask. Asking is also a sign of humility as well as respect. I think we know that. Plus, we are invited to ask. Ask and it shall be given to you. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Asking in the Bible, by the way, is actually translated as ask and keep on asking. Ask and keep on asking. In other words, don't stop asking. Don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting God. Don't stop believing for his will to be done. Don't stop expecting. When we started the service, um, there was a word, this word, expecting. This word is a very powerful word. When you live in expectation, you have opened a channel to receive. So asking means you are expecting. Asking is like a switch. It switches on faith and it keeps it on. Hmm. But there is a right way and a wrong way to ask. The wrong way to ask is to beg endlessly and without faith. And sometimes prayers of perseverance go into this mode where you're begging and begging and begging, but you really don't have faith. Perhaps, if I can give an illustration, you may have had the experience of driving in Kampala or being in a taxi, and a child who is living on the street comes up to your window and is begging for water. She or he will beg and beg repeatedly. And when there's no response, when they sense that there's no response, they go to the next person. They don't hang around you. They basically go to the next person. And then they start the process again and on and on. Now compare this to your son or your daughter coming in maybe from school and asking for water. Their quality of asking is different. I think you've noticed that. They ask with confidence, with expectation, and with the knowledge that they will receive. It's not as if they go on, if you don't, if you don't have water in the house, they go to the neighbors and the neighbors are not uh, neighbors. No, they have this sense of expectancy and confidence that you will actually provide. And even if you don't have water in that moment and time, they figure out that you will find a solution. They have confidence in you and your ability to provide. So this confidence that we have in Christ is very, very important when we pray. First John chapter 5, verse 14. It's one of my favorite verses. First John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that is in Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, in other words, if we are very sure that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know, we are also very sure that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So when I ask, I ask with confidence that God sees me in Christ. He sees me as his child. He sees me as blameless, as loved, as accepted, as forgiven. I also ask according to his will. I ask confidently knowing and expecting to receive. And when I ask this way, when we ask this way, then we have the requests that we have asked of him. That's what the scripture says. 
And it may seem a bit confusing because last week, one of the things we mentioned is that Jesus said, really, in prayer, it's not just about repeating and repeating and repeating the same thing over and over again. And yet here, we are being asked and being told, ask and keep on asking. It sounds like a contradiction, but really, it isn't a contradiction. There's different ways of asking. You may need to ask for different things at different times, depending on the situation. For example, if you're praying for a believer, and maybe this person has been sick for some time, you may start off by asking that their faith will not fail them, even as they're believing for healing. Now, if the situation changes, perhaps the sickness, you know, things start looking really bad, and they feel that they want to see a doctor, so you may ask and pray that you meet the right doctors. Very important in this country that you meet the doctors who have the right knowledge and understanding. And then maybe if they, 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 they look at their diagnosis and you know, they diagnose and they try and understand what is the problem, what is the issue, and there's a lot of lack of clarity, again, you might go into asking for clarity. Into the, so there's a continuous asking that is involved. It's not just praying, you know, that somebody gets sick and living at that. There is specific requests that you're pulling down and specific requests that you're making and you're expecting from, uh, during the time of prayer. There is a scenario in the Bible, and we'll not turn to the particular scripture, but I just want to tell this story. Um, David, before he became king, ran away from, uh, was running away from Saul. So he spent some time in the wilderness living a very difficult life, and he was with his men fighting against the Philistines. So, so his problem, he had many problems. First of all, he was running away from Saul. Secondly, the Philistines were continuously really persecuting the people of Israel. Of course, he was one of them. So while he was dealing with all this, somebody came to him and says, the Philistines are invading a town called Kayla. It was a town, a small village, and they invaded the town, and they were really wreaking havoc in this place. So what, God, what David did, because he was a man of prayer, he went to God and he asked God, what do we do now? Shall we go and attack? And the Lord gave him the go-ahead. He said, go ahead, attack the Philistines, and you will get victory. So David went and, and mobilized his men and, and said, let's go and attack. The Lord has, <clears throat> the Lord has spoken. Let's go and attack um, the, the, the Philistines because they're, they're wreaking havoc. And the men feared. They were like, there's no way. You know, we, we are afraid. We, it, 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 this, the Philistines have a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, they're a powerful army. We, 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 we can't go. So things looked difficult. I mean, you've been given instructions by the Lord, but nobody's willing to go with you. So what did David do? He went back and asked the Lord, what do I do now? Shall I go? Now, this time, God actually gave him an answer. He said, yes, go ahead and attack. But then he also gave him a strategy. He gave him a very specific instructions of how to actually do it. The result is that they won the battle. And this demonstrates that sometimes when you're persevering through something, you need to ask and keep on asking because things change. A situation may change. Um, it may evolve. So as things change, you need to be asking very specifically. Okay, so that helps to make your prayer very, very effective. 
If you look at Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, you will notice that he asks God several things. He was praying for us, praying for his disciples as well as us, but he asks God for very specific things. He asks for us, his followers, to be kept from the evil one. He asks that we be united as a body of believers. He asks that we be sanctified in truth. So asking is really a part of praying. Now, having said all this, Prayer is not just about asking. I want to really emphasize that. If all you do in prayer is ask and ask and ask, then likely you're not in faith. Effective prayer, as we have said before, includes praising and thanksgiving and really just declaring how worthy the Lord is. I'm so glad that today we really spent time just declaring the worthiness of the Lord. No matter how many hardships you're going through, no matter the sickness, the pain, no matter what you are going through, the Lord is still worthy. There is still amazing things that we can thank him for, we can bless him for, and really that should actually be a natural part of our prayer. Okay, so we've talked about fervent prayer. We've talked about prayer. Um, you ask in prayer, it involves asking. The third characteristics of a prayer that is made through persevering situations is that it requires us to have pure motives. We need to have pure motives. You know, when you are praying persistently, and you're persevering in prayer, and you're not seeing answers, you're not seeing anything manifesting in the physical, it might be time for you to do a little checking into your motives. What are you actually praying for, and what is the motive behind what you're praying for? James chapter 4, verse 3 says, prayers that are based on impure motive and godly motives will not be answered. So you need to check your motives. It may even be possible for you to be praying for a good thing, but the underlying reason, the reason for, for the prayer, what is behind the prayer, may not really be godly. You know, when the Israelites arrived in the promised land, one of the things, when they looked around, one of the things they noticed um, was that every tribe around them had a king, but they didn't. So they went to, to Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, and they said, go to God and ask him for us to have a king. Now, there is nothing in itself wrong with having a king, but the problem was the motive behind it. And when Samuel went to God, it's a long story, but when Samuel went to God and asked on behalf of the Israelites, God said the reason they're asking for a king is because they have rejected me as their God. So sometimes if you check your motives while you're praying, you may be asking for a promotion at, at workplace, but why are you actually asking? Sometimes people ask for promotion because they're insecure, so they're looking for security in a job. You're likely to be disappointed because security is only found in God. He's the only source of security. Sometimes prayers have wicked motives. If you're praying for God to take revenge on your enemies or on people who annoy you or irritate you or who don't agree with you, <laughs> that is not good. How about praying that God blesses them? How about praying for opportunities to demonstrate to them the love of God for them? that you be an instrument that God can use to actually demonstrate his love for them. So check that. Am I praying wicked prayers? Have I got a wicked motive? Some prayers 
are actually witchcraft. If you are praying something like, oh God, make that person be who I think they should be and do what I think they should do, you are on very dangerous territory. You are trying to manipulate people and you're using God to actually do that. That's witchcraft. Now, you may desire genuinely to see a change in them, but there's a right way to pray for that. Pray that really they will rise to the potential that God has for them. Pray that they will receive revelation from God and wisdom from God about how much he loves them. It's really all about God and his will for them. It's not really about you. So basically, when you're persevering in prayer, check your motives, scrutinize your motives. What am I praying for and why am I praying for? Are there hidden agendas that need to line up with God's agenda? Okay? The fourth characteristic is when we are praying in perseverance, when we're really persevering in prayer, we must include listening. Listening. Sometimes the best thing you can possibly do when you pray is to listen. We often think of prayer as just talking and talking and talking. Yes, it's part of, that's part of it. But think about it. If you're talking all the time, you're actually not listening. Prayer is two-way and not one way. God will sometimes answer you even before you pray, while you are yet speaking, according to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. Even before you pray, while you are yet speaking. But because you insist that you must do this 20-day fast and pray the whole night, you go into that mode and you're just praying and praying and praying. And it's like a sacrifice. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 1 says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 1. To draw near to the king, to God, is better, to, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So listening is a very, very important part of praying. Stop and listening. The Bible calls it waiting on God. When you pause and listen humbly, God can respond in several ways. For example, he can give you instructions on how to solve a very difficult situation, a very difficult challenge. He can tell you where to get wisdom. Sometimes when I'm praying over ministries in this church, the Lord will tell me, go and speak to the leadership team. Okay, that's where I'll get the wisdom from. When you listen to the Lord, sometimes he can use these opportunities, the time when you're waiting on him, when you're really listening keenly to him. He can use that opportunity to teach you and to really help you grow spiritually. I remember one time I was praying and praying passionately about a crisis I was going through. And it was difficult. I was really, you know, for me, it was like, Lord, I need your help. Intervene. I need your intervention. This situation is going on for too long. It's very, very difficult. I need your help. You know, I was asking him to miraculously intervene. And I felt, you know, Lord, if you don't intervene, the world is going to fall apart. You know, at least my world was going to fall apart. You know, I was really making and beseeching him on this, 
on this issue. And then finally, I decided to pause. And so the Lord spoke. He says, Monica, it would be a good time for you to learn patience. And my first reaction was, patience? <laughs> That's not the answer to my prayer. And so I, you know, I was like, Lord, solve the problem, and then I will have time to answer, to, you know, to study patience. I'll have all the time in the world. Well, the Lord didn't speak again. Here's a lesson. <laughs> if you're seeking for the Lord, an answer from the Lord, and, you know, he speaks, and then you continue seeking, and he doesn't speak, go back to the last answer that he gave you. Amen. And so that's what I did. I went back, and I really thought about what he said, and then it dawned on me, it occurred to me that being in the midst of a crisis is actually one of the best ways to learn patience. It's a practical lesson on learning patience. So I had to, in a sense, in my mind, put aside the crisis and spend several days just focusing on what it means to be patient. I spent time in the Word, just studying the word patience. It was powerful, very, very enriching. And at the end of the time, miraculously, the crisis disappeared. <laughs> it really did. But then there is one extra thing is that now because I had studied patience and had been built into my heart, the next crisis that I went to, I was prepared because I had what I needed to actually enter that. So sometimes when you have, you know, when, you, when you're persevering through hardships, through difficulties, pay attention because sometimes God wants to use that to teach you or to bring you to a higher level of spiritual maturity. Listening can also be an opportunity for God to ask you to use your authority. There are times God will ask you to use your authority to change the situation. You have been given authority. As a believer, we have authority. Huh? You can lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. You can speak to the enemy and he will flee. You can resist him and he will flee. Some hardships are really because you are not using your authority. So God is there waiting for you to use your authority, and you are there waiting for God. So nothing happens. And this is what happened, um, you know, in the case of Moses, when, 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 he was, when, when the Israelites left Egypt, and the, Israel, and the Egyptian army came after them, you know, the chariots and everything, Pharaoh came after them, and in front of them was a Red Sea. So the Israelites turned to Moses and said, we're in trouble, what do we do? And Moses tried to calm them, and I said, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, don't worry. And then he went and spoke to God and said, hey, we're in trouble, what do we do? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord answered him and said, why are you crying to me? Go back. <laughs> Tell the Israelites to move forward, and then use their authority, I'm kind of summarizing, use the authority that I've given you to make things happen, to change things. So your authority can be used sometimes to change situations. Another thing, another advantage of listening to the Lord and really paying attention to him is that he can bring comfort and encouragement into your life. Sometimes the answers that the Lord speaks in your life are not necessarily words, but sometimes it's just comfort and encouragement, even as you wait on him. You know, some answers to prayer may not come now. They may not come how you want them or when you want them. But God can respond to your prayer by giving you what is necessary to endure. Comfort is a very essential ingredient. It's very necessary for me to endure hardships with comfort. When Jesus was praying that night before the cross, 
It says an angel of the Lord was sent to comfort him. So the cross was not necessarily removed, but he was given what was needed at that time. So during a prayer, when you're praying through hardship and difficulties, live in expectancy of God providing what is needed. Sometimes it is just encouragement. Sometimes it is just, you know, supernatural peace and joy. Just a sense of, you know, assurance in the midst of hardship. And that is really answered prayer. God is actually answering you. And so I sense maybe there's somebody in here that is going through a lot of hardship. My encouragement to you is listen. Listen. Reduce on the talking and just open the ears and listen. And the final characteristics I want to really paint, and we're going slightly over, over time, but um, I ask maybe for a few, few minutes, five minutes or so, and we should be through. The fifth characteristic of a prayer of perseverance is that you need to stand firmly. A prayer of perseverance involves standing firmly, standing firmly. When you have done all that you know how to do, when you have prayed all the prayers that you know how to pray, when you've done all the casting out you know how to cast out, and everything that you need to know, the best thing you can possibly do is stand, just stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Having done all, stand firm. Stand and not faint. Stand and rest in him. Standing means you take a stand for the truth. You take a stand for what you believe in, and hopefully that is the truth. You see it, you rest in it. When King Jehoshaphat's enemies came against him, it was a mighty army that was standing against him. He was alarmed, he was distressed, so he turned to the Lord. And the Lord answered him through a prophet, saying, don't be afraid. This battle is not yours, it's mine. Okay, and he told him, take your position, stand still in that position, and see the deliverance that I will bring you. So sometimes the best you can do is just stand in a position of truth, stand on the promises of God. So you can stand firm on the truth that God loves you. You can stand firm on the truth that God will never leave you nor forsake you. You can stand firm on many of God's promises, on his word. What word have you received from God for that particular situation? So you can stand firm in all, all this. God's promises are sure. They will never, ever fail. Never. Now, does this mean that you'll always get to see in the physical what you are truly believing for? I don't know. I can't answer that. There are many factors that will drive that. But one thing I do know, that the promises of the Lord never fail. In Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, it says, not one word, speaking of the Israelites, when they had finally crossed into the promised land, it says, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Not a single word. All of them came to pass. That's how faithful God is. The men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 all died in faith, not having received the things promised. In other words, they didn't see them physically, but instead they saw them and greeted them from afar. They were so strong in faith, so resilient. They stood so convinced that God was going to be faithful to his word. So even when they died, they died in faith. That's powerful faith. 
So friends, let's determine our hearts that we would rather stand and believe than faint and give up. Faith is a journey where we walk with God, like Enoch walked with God. That walk involves constant communion and communication with him. We walk with God whether we're in the wilderness facing very difficult hardships and challenges. We walk with God whether we're in the promised land enjoying the blessings. This walk of faith is really what pleases God. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've come to the end of this series, and I really hope that you've been edified and blessed. We are going to pray as we finished, and I'm going to ask Moira and Jerry to just come and pray over two specific areas. One is families, and the other is government. Okay, so... Um, okay, let's, let's pray. Oh, mighty God, thank you. Thank you so much that you are the designer and author of families. Lord, that that was your idea, that we don't just grow up on our own, but we grow up in families. That is your plan. That's your design. Lord, thank you that you are a good father. Almighty God, we pray for parents, parents here in this congregation, parents in Uganda, Lord, we pray that each one, that we'd be able to love and nurture as you love and nurture us. Lord, that you give us great wisdom. It's often difficult. Uh, Lord, give us wisdom, give us patience, give us hearts of forgiveness. Lord, we pray particularly for those who are single parenting, Lord that you give them that extra strength and extra wisdom and extra resources, mighty, mighty God. Lord, we pray for role models of parenting, Lord. Uh, we pray for parents who, uh, that they will be able to, even in busy lives, to prioritize time with kids, that children feel that they have their parents to look to, to go to, to be mentored by. Lord, we pray that children growing up will grow up in the knowledge of you. Lord, we pray for, yeah, for, that, for Christian homes where children learn about you and, are, and know the truth, Lord. There's so much falsehood going around, Lord, that children will, will know the truth and grow up in that. Oh, Lord, we pray for marriages, Lord. We pray for strength in marriage, for patience in marriage, for not taking offense in marriage, for forgiving one another. Lord, be there. May, uh, yeah, we pray for marriages in this congregation, Lord, that, that we look to you, that we look to you for, uh, yeah, for your heart to, to grow in understanding love, Lord and what that looks like and the steadfastness of it. Oh Lord, we pray for those who are in abusive relationships or broken relationships. Lord, we pray for great wisdom to know when to stay, when to go, how to act, how to proceed. Lord, we pray for your comfort and for your, your comfort and for your care, Lord God. And Lord, that you would yeah, open our eyes to, to support and to help where we, where we should and where we need to, mighty God. 
Oh Lord, we pray for our children and young adults who are growing up without uh, parent figures, Lord. And we pray for, for aunties and uncles and for, uh, for people to be those role models to them, Lord, that each one will, will have uh, godly figures in their lives to nurture them and support them. Mighty God, thank you so much that uh, you put us in families. Thank you for our physical families, our parents, our brothers and sisters. And Lord, thank you that you give us this family of the church, that we are to be brothers and sisters to each other. Lord, that we will really be that, that even if uh, our own family somehow fails us, Lord, that within the family of the church, that there will be brothers and sisters, Lord, and and fathers and mothers who can, who can love and care and that we'll be the people of God that we're meant to be, Lord, in whatever situations we're in and also with our brothers and sisters here in Christ. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Fathers, we think of this nation, we think of the families that make it up. We think of the structure of this nation, the families, the clans, the tribes, the various ethnic groups, and yet we are one nation. We are one nation under one governance. And Lord, we thank you for this nation of Uganda. We thank you for the beauty and productivity of the land. We thank you for the diversity and ability and wealth of humanity in the people of this land, Lord. We thank you for the faith that has been built in this land. As we think of Bishop Loom Day, which we celebrated on Friday, we thank you of those who have laid down their lives. As we think of the Uganda martyrs, we think that this land, the church in this land was built on sound foundation, Lord. And we pray now for those who govern us that they would seek to follow your paths, the path of peace, the path of truth, the path of righteousness. Lord, we lift up our president, the ministers, the members of parliament, that they would bring good governance, that they would seek your will for this nation. We pray for peace, both within and beyond our borders with our neighbors. And Lord, we pray for those in authority in the military, and the police and the other state agencies, Lord, concerned with our security, that they would bring us a just, secure nation within secure boundaries. Lord, we know that in the nation of Israel, King David fought wars, but his son Solomon established in wisdom secure boundaries, that the nation lived at peace, Lord. We pray that this nation transitions into a nation that even its enemies choose to live in peace with it because it is strong and because it is righteous. Lord, we pray for the, for the judiciary that they would administer justice fairly in this land. You revealed yourself to Moses as the giver of the law. Lord, you are a God of law, a God of order. You are not a God of chaos. The Spirit of the Lord moved over the waters, moved over the chaos and said, let there be light. Lord, you are a God that establishes order. 
you placed Adam and Eve in a garden, not in a jungle, Lord. And you told them to extend that, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, that the judiciary of this land extends order. Lord, that this is a land where your law is kept. And we pray, Lord, for the departments of government, particularly health and education, but all the others as well, Lord. This is a young nation, a nation where half the population is, are teenagers or children, Lord. And Lord, we pray for their education, for their health, but also, Lord, that you give those who are in industry and government the ways, the means, the insight, the vision to bring employment and prosperity, not because we preach prosperity, but because the nation needs it, Lord, that those young people need jobs, Lord. Lord, we pray that the, the wealth of humanity we have here, that just that we have a, a demographic advantage, the economists would say, but those, that demography needs something to do with itself, Lord. We pray for jobs, we pray for industry, we pray for employment. And we pray that this nation will pursue righteousness and experience that prosperity through that process. Lord, we pray for protection of those seeking to do God's will and that they will not be thwarted by any plan of evil against this nation. Lord, we know that as you raise up a standard, Lord, Lord, we do have evil that stands here. Lord, there's evil deep-rooted in people's hearts. There's evil deep-rooted in witchcraft and manipulation and control of every form. And Lord, we pray for discernment and pray for people of discernment and leadership, Lord, that we will not fall foul to that, Lord. And Lord, we realize that this is a nation among nations, and many nations are governed, driven, and led by spiritual forces that are not of you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that just as families, just as tribes, just as groups, just as clans, as a nation, we will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, that this nation, the governance of this nation, those in leadership of it, will realize that they have been placed there by you for your purposes, and that we would all rejoice and delight in the fulfillment of everything that you have given us, Lord. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you very much, Jerry um, and Moira. Uh, we've come to the end of the service, and we just want to maybe just bless the Lord um, in terms of a hand clap and just acknowledge how good he is. Um, yes. And that even as we live in expectation of our prayers and seeing prayers answered, that we will continue to pray.